0: Heavenly Father, I just thank you again for this day. I thank you that we are here. Lord, I know, I hope, I believe that those that are in this room this morning that you have brought here for a purpose and for a reason to hear from you. And Lord, I would ask now, as I mentioned earlier, that Lord, somehow, in spite of us sinful human beings, God, you will convey a message to us. Lord, I ask that you would guide my words as I read your word and teach from your word that it would truly be from you and not from myself. Lord, I pray that you would be with those in this room, that whatever has brought them here today, Lord, whether they're regulars, whether they're visiting, it doesn't make a difference, Lord. I just ask that you would speak today. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, we're, Luke, we're in Luke chapter 14. For those of you that are, uh, I think everybody's been here for most of the time. We've been going through Luke chapter 14. And uh, Luke chapter 14, 1 through 6, we talked about two weeks ago. And it's at a meal. Now, this is important. Don't miss this. There's a meal that Jesus is at. In this passage, Jesus heals a man. It's a Sabbath. While at dinner, Jesus heals a man. And the Pharisees get upset. They're present. They get offended. Okay? Last week, in Luke chapter 14, verses 7 through 11... Don't miss this, same meal, okay? Same meal, so the Pharisees are offended. At the same dinner, Jesus watches people scramble in for the best seats. He then points it out and teaches a lesson on humility. I can only imagine that the guests are probably now offended, right? Now we're in Luke chapter 14, verses 12 to 24, and I couldn't help but wondering this morning, does this sound at all like any of our Easter dinners we're going to have later? you got to have somebody, somebody's going to say something, going to offend somebody, and all kinds of things are going to happen. We're going to go, what in the world is happening here? Well, this is what's going on in this meal. I want you to know, this is the exact same meal, okay? Jesus then says to the man who had invited him, I was thinking, who else is there to offend? He's got the guests, he's got the Pharisees, oh yeah, the host. When you give a dinner or a banquet, Jesus says... Do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you get repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. So here we have a lesson on generosity. So let's see here. Uh, Jesus was obviously okay with people eating with their friends, but he's making a point here about what was going on. I just can't help but think, what an awkward party. Doesn't this feel like an awkward party at this point? Can't you feel it? Like, I mean, he offends the Pharisees by healing a man on the Sabbath. He offends the guests by how they scrambled in to get the seats. And now he's talking to the host about who he should have invited. And I want you to know, the next verse, I think possibly of funny verses in the Bible, I think the next one is one of my favorites that cracks me up. The next one, I can't help, there's a few people I know that would probably... Fit into this. I imagine an awkward silence after verse 14 and before verse 15. Uh, not to throw her under the bus, but I can see this next person being somebody like my wife. I have also thought maybe my father-in-law might do something like what this person does. There's an awkward silence. Jesus just offended, just offended, just offended. And I imagine everybody's kind of sitting there. Can you see them? Maybe with their, did they have forks, little wooden forks or something? Rolling their olives around on their plate. I don't know what's going on. But then uh, that's, I just pictured this awkward silence. And verse 15 comes along and it says, one of those who reclined at table heard him. He said to him, and I imagine before this happened, so just, just picture, Jesus just said, some Pharisees did this, they're all this, this, this. And I imagine this guy sitting at the table. I'm gonna grab the cup for, for a second. I imagine him sitting there and going, well, blessed is everyone who eat bread in the kingdom of God. Can you picture this? Like, okay, whatever, whatever else we got going on here. This is like his way. Well, okay, maybe we're disagreeing with everybody else. Hey, we're all going to go to heaven. Am I right? I, mean, I picture, I don't think they had that word in biblical times. Am I right? That's one word now, isn't it? I picture that being some version of what this guy just did. Blessed is everyone who eat bread in the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. Right? I, I mean, can't you feel the awkward silence? And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. When there's an awkward silence, you go, I got to say something, and it needs to be funny and make everybody happy right now. Don't I? That, I mean, I get it. I get it. It's like, oh, I don't like this silence. And this guy just goes, blessed is everyone who will eat bread of the kingdom of God. Am I right? Amen. Right? Yep. I picture the awkward silence continuing because you'd hope that Jesus at this point would go, that's true. But he doesn't. Right? In other words, this guy's like, well, at least we have we might have some difference of opinions down here, but we really are really gonna care when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be. But I think there's something that Jesus is conveying and they're not getting it. And this next part seems a little funny too. Awkward silence. Things have been taught and dropping. This guy tries to break it. And Jesus, instead of going with it, I figure this guy's like, right, Jesus? Right? (laughs) Right? Instead, Jesus goes, time for a story. (laughs) Now, I I know this is Jesus. And I know that we would all, if we were there, would have been like, oh, he's got a story for us. (laughs) What's it going to be? Right? But I can't help but wonder if in this moment some people are like, I can imagine his disciples being like, is this really the right time for one of your parables, Jesus? I mean, everybody's pretty ticked off right now, and this guy's trying to lighten the load, and you're like, I've got a story. And that's what actually, a man once gave a great banquet, invited many. <laughs> can you just feel the tension that would have happened? At the, is it just me? Is it just me feeling this way? Or can you guys feel it? What, a man once gave a banquet at a great, and I, I just, I, I don't know. I'm not a time traveler, I couldn't go back, but I can't help but wonder if there was a little bit of this going on. Oh, boy. <laughs> Even possibly from some of his disciples, there may have been a little bit of an eye roll at this point. Jesus, really? I also was imagining the host's wife. In fact, I was telling Charity about this this morning. We were kind of laughing at it because I'm like, she says, what about the wife, this host's wife? Can you imagine her? Like, this party, on her mind, I'm sure, is probably, like, ruined I mean, what is he doing? I mean, I even invited your crazy brother with dropsy. At least he's happy. You know, what's going on? And this awkward thing then gets a little bit more awkward. But Jesus, I think, has a point. And so there's some principles I think we're going to learn from this. But before we do, we've got to understand why Jesus tells stories to teach things. I tell stories, I give illustrations to make things more clear. You need to understand Jesus does not always do that. In fact, there's at one point where his disciples ask him in Matthew chapter 13, why do you tell these stories? Why do you tell parables? I just want to take a short rabbit trail and come right back to our text. Because if you're here today, and I don't care how long you've been a Christian or how long you've gone to church, how much you think you know about God, this is an important factor. If you go, I want to know what the teachings of Jesus are all about. And I think that today is a great day to really consider that because if somebody came to this earth and then got killed, and before he got killed, he said, "I'm gonna," they're going to kill me, that'd be pretty impressive that he knew they were going to do it and then they did it. But the fact that he also said, and then I'm going to come back, and then he did it, we ought to take note as to then what was he teaching while he was here. Does that make sense? I think a great example of someone we've been studying in Sunday school here is James. James was Jesus' earthly brother. James regularly, along with other, Jesus' other earthly brothers, mocked and ridiculed Jesus, even up to the point of death. There was a time just before Christ was crucified that it, they're talking about the fact that, hey, Jesus, if you go to Jerusalem, they're probably going to kill you. And James, along with the other brothers, say the Bible tells us the brothers were like, hey, I got an idea. Right after they say, hey, I think in Jerusalem I'm going to try to kill Jesus, the, the brothers go, hey, Jesus, you know where you should go? Jerusalem. You're like, well, I mean, that's a J. But then something happened. After Christ came back, you see James, you see Jesus' other earthly brothers have a major shift of opinion. I can't help but think that can only be explained in one possible way. And regardless of what you think you know or what you do think you know or what you really do know, it's important to stop and consider the teachings of Jesus. And this is an important thing because he does a lot of parables. Listen to what he says when he talks about when they say, why do you speak in parables? And here he is at this banquet where a bunch of people are there and they're all ticked off at him. He decides to tell a parable. And it becomes abundantly clear why he does that, not just from his explanation, but also from what you see happen. He answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. And first of all, I think, wow, that's an interesting phrasing. Anyway, there's secrets of the kingdom of heaven. We all kind of think that, don't we? I mean, everybody kind of thinks that because there's probably a hundred books you could go to Barnes and Noble right now and be like, "The secret of the kingdom of heaven," and they may not call it that, but they'll call it something like that, and they'll probably use the word "secret" in there. Here's the secret. Here's the one thing you've been missing. And Jesus says, "The secret, the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, were given to his disciples." And he says, "For them, to them, it has not been given." So these secrets of the kingdom of heaven, Jesus told his, his followers, it's been given to you, but it's not been given to them. So there are some people that the secrets are given to, and there are some people the secrets are not given to. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be the one that it's not, right? I mean, if there's secrets of the kingdom of heaven that this guy Jesus taught, and then this guy, I mean, there's no other religious leader that has made the claims like Jesus did, and then did it, right? The cl- You can't, Say, while Jesus was such a good teacher. There's a lot of people in our world will say he's a good teacher. He couldn't be a good teacher. He said some crazy things. He's either got to be God in the flesh, but you can't just limit him down to just being a good teacher because he made some claims that no human being ever ought to make. Jesus then tells them, he says, For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why, so here's the explanation then. This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing they don't see, hearing they don't understand, nor do they understand. I'm sorry, And hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear, but not understand. And you will indeed see, but not perceive. This people's heart has grown dull. And with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should See with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear. For truly I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, those disciples, and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. So understand that even today there's a truth about parables that filters down 2,000 years later. As we share this parable that Jesus told, some in this room are going to hear but not hear, see but not see. They will not perceive or understand. That is a very alarming reality. There are secrets to the kingdom of heaven, and you don't want to miss those things. So let's take a look at the story and pray and say, Lord, help us to understand what this is. And so let's get real specific about what Jesus is saying. He said to him, a man once gave a banquet and invited many. I'm just going to tell you right now, Just to be right to the point. The man giving the great banquet is God. The invitation essentially, boiled down to its simplest simplest way of understanding it, is essentially the Old Testament promise of God's future kingdom. The many are the Jewish people, God's people. So there is a man who once gave a great banquet and invited many. But then the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. The servant is primarily Jesus. It's also, through him, anybody who proclaims the message of Christ. And Jesus has been saying over and over again as he preaches the message of the kingdom, he's been saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand, it's now. And so Jesus is telling a story about history, there's this guy, man, who gave a banquet, and he invited many. The kingdom of heaven is at hand now. The banquet is actually what Jesus referenced earlier, the resurrection of the just. There's four points I wanted you to take away today from this passage, okay? We're going to get to the rest of them in a bit, but let me give you the first one right now. The first principle is this. So here you are on an Easter, Right? Let's not miss this. The invitation does not equate final attendance. Okay, The invitation does not equate final attendance. Knowing about heaven doesn't mean you'll go to heaven. Knowing about Jesus doesn't mean you even know Jesus. It was true for them. It's true for us today. America, still by a slight lead, has more people claiming to be Christians than any other country in the world. That is quickly dwindling. But still, at this time, we still have, I think, people claiming this, 200 million people claiming this. If there's a country on this planet that knows about Jesus, it's this one. But knowing about Jesus does not equate, and claiming that does not equate, final attendance. I guarantee that every single person at this meal that Jesus was talking to thought, believed, without a doubt, that they were on their way to heaven, which is why happy-go-lucky guy says, hey, Right? What's this going to matter when we're all there? Jesus is trying to make a point that that's the problem. He was at a meal, a banquet, and I think what Jesus is doing, he's looking around, he's thinking, will any of these people be at that banquet? Right? So can you help if you were him? having a vision of eternity, to see a banquet and people having a great time and not help but think of the great banquet in the future and then looking around and knowing that many of them are not going to be there. It might seem like a weird way to throw a party and to be a part of a party, but I can't help but think that part of what Jesus is doing, he and his humanity as well is moved to say, guys, don't you understand? You know, this is the last time That Jesus is invited to eat with the Pharisees. Some of you are probably thinking, I can't blame the Pharisees. (laughs) Invitation does not equate final attendance. And if the great banquet in the sky just means you have to die to get there, none of this is going to make sense afterwards. I'm going to say that again because this is kind of important for our culture. There's things that we believe as a people that kind of filter out Every once in a while, some people, oh, I don't know if that's really true. But for the most part, people in this country think that the way to get to heaven is to die. If you don't believe me, go to a funeral. I don't know if you know this. I've been to quite a few funerals. Everybody's going to heaven. Did you know that? (laughs) They're all going to heaven, if you you take the word of what's being spoken at funerals. I have never once in my entire life gone to a funeral and somebody said, I didn't make it. And we go, well, of course not, Matt. That's in bad taste. But I'm telling you right now, there are some people that didn't make it. But if you go based on what we talk about on a regular basis, our real beliefs come out. And most of us, and I'm afraid that possibly many of us in this room think, well, the key is that I'm di- if I die, I go there. That's important. I mean, everybody goes to heaven. Well, maybe not Hitler. <laughs> But, you know, everybody else, what do you base that on? More importantly for this group, this argument is not going to make sense what Jesus says next. If invitation equates final attendance, there's nothing to worry about. But with these people, Jesus is making a point that invitation does not equate final attendance. Listen to what happens next. All these things. Now, I will admit freely that what happens next are excuses. And I will admit that many of these excuses sound like the kind of excuses that I would give not to go to a party. If you know me at all, social gatherings aren't my favorite thing. Okay? So going to a party, I'm like, okay, but, but I have many times. Oh, let's, let's listen to their excuses here. Uh, they all alike, which that's an interesting when you study this, they all like It was almost as if they all with one accord. It's, it ties all these people together, even though they're completely separate. It's almost like together they unanimously said, we're not going. But listen to their excuses. So the first guy, get to the first one, the servant. And his excuse is, I bought a field, I must go out and see it. What? You, you bought a field, you didn't see it? So if you bought it and you hadn't seen it before you bought it, why do you got to go see it now? You already bought it. It makes no sense. But it kind of sounds like the kind of excuse I would give. I bought a field. I can't go. Sorry. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen. I go to exam. Kind of basically the same. I bought five yoke of oxen. Which five yoke of oxen for them? That's a pretty big purchase. Who buys five yoke of oxen without ever seeing the five yoke of oxen? It's ridiculous. I may have used this last one, though. Another said, I've married a wife there. I can't go. That's my wife i married her I can't go that wouldn't work for me though because she'd be like no we're going you see the ridiculousness of these excuses though but do you also see that they it doesn't make to think if the picture is meant to represent the invitation is to this great banquet what is this part about actually taking up the offer of the invitation what what is this all about if just dying means you go there how could you make an excuse People can't make excuses to die. Well, I'm not ready to die yet. And you may try, but that really has no say on it, does it? Not really. Not ultimately. So let's hit the second principle. Excuses here. Equate. Equates. Excused from there. You see that in this story? People that are making excuses here because we know the story that Jesus is telling. And so now he didn't take the time to explain this to those people. And so it had that parable effect where some people heard it and like, Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about, Jesus. Let's get back to the party. But to some, I think, I hope, heard and understood and even more was given to them is what Jesus promised. I'm telling you today, excuses here equates excused from that. Okay? Now there's some very regular, very obvious ways that this makes sense. I think that some of them you have to understand as Christians with in Christianity, I know that we're saved by grace through faith, but you have to understand if you hear if you talk to Christians for a while, there's some things they say, "Oh, you should start doing" I need you to understand that the things that Christians say, hey, you should probably start doing these things, are not it's, not, it's not the way somebody says, you want to go to the baseball game, you need to buy a ticket. That's not what we're talking about when we talk about these things. It's more like this. If my wife came home and she saw me tying up my shoes, get my pants today, putting this evil tie on, right? Somebody might think, you're going somewhere, aren't you? See, there's obvious things that are pictures and fruits of going somewhere. I have before with my children, and neither one of them are in the room right now, but I have before with my children, I have said to them, hey, we're going to go at this particular time. And they would go, I know. Anybody else, parents in here know this this experience? Is this just me? I know. And then it gets closer to time, and they're, they're still sitting down. Right, And you go, you know we're going to be leaving in 15 minutes, right? And they're like, I know. And at this point, I start to think, you're saying I know. I don't think you do. I don't think you understand how leaving works. <laughs> There's something missing here. And we get within five minutes, and I'm like, hey, we're going in five minutes. Five minutes to me means I'll be in the car in two minutes, right? And they go, I, I know. And then at some point, I usually say this. Are you going? And they usually get annoyed at me at that point. Well, duh. And I want to go, there's nothing you're doing that makes me think you're going right now. You're doing nothing that makes me think you're going. That's understand, that's what when us as Christians, we talk about things like going to church and, and reading your Bible and praying and all these. That, those are things that we're, we see because people that are going there are doing those things. Does anybody get saved because they went to church? No. Does anybody get saved because they pray a prayer? No. Does anybody get saved because they read their Bible? No. But are all those things fruits and aspects of somebody that's like, I'm getting ready to go to a banquet? Do you see the difference? So understand, if you ever hear, at least us here at this church, go, hey, you should go to church, we are not saying that because we want to have a room full of people. That's not really the important thing to us, simply for that. We're not saying that because we think that's going to make you a better person. You understand that? We're not saying that for any of those reasons like that. We're simply sitting there going, like what I'm doing with my children when I go, are you going? And so now let's take this back to what we're talking about. And let's be honest. We live in a society not that much different from the society that Christ was in. On the simple fact that most people that Jesus interacted with believed, felt, thought when they died, they're going to be in the kingdom of God. As demonstrated once again by happy-go-lucky, right? Remember him? That's what we're doing. But the reality is, just like for them, just like for us, it's not true for everyone And one of the things that Jesus is pointing out here is the excuses that are made. Now, you may sit there and you go, well, that was just an excuse this particular Sunday or just an excuse for this, but I'm telling you right now, we live in a society where this is really about priorities, what Jesus is talking about. And I can tell my son's priorities with the banquet that we're going to or the meal that we're going to or the event that we're going to because if it was an important priority to them, They'd be at the door, ready to go way in advance. Not because those things get him to the party, but because there's there's inwardly a priority of going to the party. The same is true of us. And if you found that the majority of your life has been on the list of priorities, down, down at the bottom, and you go, well, no, no, God's God's up here. It's all about him going to eat in the kingdom of heaven. We're going to have bread, right? But the reality is, what you actually see, see, these people, they accepted the invitation initially, didn't they? But when it came down to it, it wasn't that important. And for an Easter Sunday, I want to encourage you, I want to tell you, I want to plead with you to say that if you find the regular way of you living your life is that instead of doing what God has called you to do, you find yourself letting other things take a higher priority, this may be God's wake-up call for you today to say, I've been prioritizing everything else. And what Jesus was trying to convey to that audience is the one thing I want to convey to you. Don't miss out. And the excuses you've been making seem... Did their excuses seem lame? In the scheme of eternity, the excuses you've made to... You may, and you may sit there and go yeah, but it's just church, or it's just this, it's just that. In some ways, you're right. But in other ways, you're very wrong. And I want to encourage you, if you find the pattern of your life excusing yourself from the things of God, something needs to change. The servant, in our story being Jesus, came and reported these things to the master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets, And lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. So here we are coming back full circle to Jesus' point about who to invite. And an interesting little twist that Jesus puts in here. The people that are at the resurrection of the just are the sort of people who humbly attend dinner parties and graciously host dinner parties the same way God does. Right? Just an interesting little twist that happens in this. Let me give you a third principle for this Easter for you. Real acceptance of God's invitation is to those who are in real need and know it. Real acceptance of God's invitation is to those who are in real need and know it, which is in reality all of us. It was really for all people. But the reality is how it plays out in life is many times the people that go, yeah, well, I know. And the people that are making excuses don't see the need. I don't see the need. And I think the reason why they don't see the need is because they think they're going to heaven. Because that's what everybody does. And it have not been that bad. It'll be fine. It'll play out all good in the end. Let's raise a glass. Have some bread in the kingdom. It'll be fine. All this little disagreement stuff. It'll be fine. And Jesus is interrupting your hilarity to say, hold up. The spiritually crippled, the spiritually blind, the spiritually lame, they are those who would normally be excluded but hear and rejoice at the invitation of God. You saw it in Jesus' day. The Pharisees, the religious leaders, the ones who were well off and satisfied, missed it. The ones that saw it were these people. In our society, in America, many people's ears have grown dull. I mean, we've heard about Jesus so much it feels like it's coming out of our ears for many. In fact, sometimes you start to bring it up and you're like, oh, seriously? Many in our culture have eyes to see but don't see, ears to hear but don't hear. But there are those who do hear. Did you know that in our world we have people that we would have thought, no way, this isn't your typical Christian. It's booming. It's booming. Um, the, the church in China, where it's outlawed, booming. They predict there will be more Christians in China than in America within the next, I think, five years. In India, booming. In Korea, booming. In Africa, booming. In fact, if you take the separate African countries and just think of the continent, there are already more Christians in Africa than there are in America Exactly what's happening in Jesus' story is what's happening in our world. And people that we would look at as all those poor third world countries, they're the ones that are going to be entering the kingdom ahead of many that are here in this country. And we keep making excuses. The servant said, what you've commanded has been done and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled in this story the, Jesus is telling that this message it primarily for them this was one of the first real allusions to the fact that salvation was going to be for the whole world and not just for the Jewish people praise God because here we are thousands of miles away and this invitation is not yet closed and so a fourth principle there is room for you. I don't care who you are, what you've done. For though I've got enough people here that have been here long enough, know our mantra. Let's say it because we know it's true and it ties into this story. I'm a complete idiot, but my future is incredibly bright and anybody can get in on this. What a glorious thing that that door is not yet shut. And whatever whatever sort of life you live, whatever you've done, it doesn't make a lick of difference, not just to him, but to me and to the others that are here. If you're sitting here today and you go, I don't want to miss out on this. Do you realize that this may be this moment, hearing this story that was written down 2,000 years ago, being conveyed to this knucklehead up here, do you realize that this story from Jesus might be the moment. You may be sitting here, you may have heard these things a hundred times over, but this could be the moment that you go, hold up. My life and my priorities have had Jesus and church and God and all that. There's a big conglomeration of things. I just like to call it religion. and I just put it way down at the bottom of the list. I love God. But hearing this today, I'm starting to wonder, is that really my priority? Is that really where I'm at? And I want you to know that today, if you're sitting here and those thoughts are going through your head, this might actually be the very fact that those thoughts are going through your head, maybe the very spirit of God working in your heart and calling you to himself right now. There is still room for you. It's no coincidence that one of the biggest ways that we remember what Jesus did for us is through and connected with a feast. A feast. It's great, isn't it? I mean, what's this stuff up here, right? This isn't the full feast, <laughs> right? This is just this is just one part representing a full feast, and the people that feast on this understand that it's not really about this; it's about Christ, and they're 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 taking in the, I want all of who Christ is for myself. I want to share. Even if you've heard it, even if you've heard it a thousand times over, I want to do this real quick just because I know and I believe that it's possible. It's possible because it was true for Jesus. I think it could be true for us that there could have been people that came in here today, even if you've been coming to this church for, for years, but you've been missing it this whole time. Do you, do you understand that could happen? Just to remind you. Some of you, this is going to be very familiar the goodness of the gospel message because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's not one of us that meets that good. Not one of us is gonna get to heaven because we've been good enough. Not one of us has been good enough. We have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the wages of that sin, the proper payment for the sin that we've done, our treasonous behavior against the creator of the universe is death. Not just physically dying, but eternal separation from the Father. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know that for God has so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. You've probably heard this verse as well. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it's a Gift of God, not a result of works that no one may boast. We are hoping and trusting and believing. Anything that you hear today, if any of it sounded like, oh, I need to do these things to be saved, that is not what's being conveyed. But I am conveying to you that if you are saved, if you're on your way somewhere, it ought to show. Your priorities will eventually reveal themselves. Hopefully here and not there. Do you think the people that made the excuses understood their priorities were off? We could get into the multiple stories that Jesus told of people after the door shuts on the banquets. It's closed and it doesn't open. There comes a point, And we hope that you recognize. We hope that you recognize your priorities here. And if your priorities are off here, you're going to miss out there. Jesus Christ himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. He bore our sins in his body on the tree. Why? That we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. The end of the party this earthly party. Jesus, I think the last bit of any bit of enjoyment came down. But I imagine Jesus saying this, knowing that there were some who were hearing it who were still not getting it. I imagine him saying this almost with a plead. I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. None of those. I imagine him at this meal, looking around, and the ones that were like so disappointed at the awkward party, and so disappointed at this, and so disappointed at this, but I know that there were some of his disciples that would have been there, that would have heard it as well, and wanted to convey it later. And I can't help but think they remembered this party. Not just because it was awkward, but because it was one of the last times that Jesus was able to plead in a personal way at a party with the Pharisees and the religious leaders. That's the scary reality. You don't know. A lot of people like to talk about the end of days. You don't know when the end of the days are, but you really don't know when your end of days are. This could be your last Sunday. This could be your last Easter. This could be, like these Pharisees, the last time you hear the good message of Jesus. Don't let it slip away. I'd like to ask Paul to come up. He's gonna lead us through communion, this remembrance, and I'm gonna have him talk about that for a minute. You got a okay, you gotta mic.
1: What we're gonna do here is Like one of those things that Matt said that we do not in order to go to the banquet. Coming to church, reading your Bible. This is another one of those things that we do not in order to get to the banquet, but to get ready for the banquet. I think there's four kinds of people here today. There's some of you that like, I'm not interested in the banquet. If that's your ad, if that's where you're at, the word of God says don't partake in this. That's a dangerous thing to do. I encourage you to just, just pass the plate. I think there are some here today who are sitting there in front of the video game and say, yeah, dad, I'm coming. And you're like, are you Really? Because it doesn't look like your priorities are there. I would ask yourself, am I really have I really repented? Am I really trusting in Christ? So there's the group that thinks they are, but probably aren't. Today's the day though. I think a third group of people may be those who for the first time today, in your life, have seen Oh, I get it. I get it. And today, maybe the first time you're going to be participating in this gift that our Savior has given to us to strengthen us spiritually. To prepare us as we wait for the banquet to start. So I welcome you today. And then that last group is those of us who have been coming. And you may be tired Keep getting ready, because the banquet is coming. We will feast together. If I could have the men come forward who are going to help us with this. It says, in, um, it, and we did we just did this on Friday, uh, gathering the Lord with his disciples on that last time that they celebrated the Passover together. And it says here, Paul says, For I received from the Lord what also I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. I'm going to pray and thank the Lord for the bread and his blood. And then I'll have the men pass it out. Father, we just come before you today as we think about this great banquet that will go on and on feasting and celebrating together with you in eternity. Where there's no pain, there's no suffering, our sins are not remembered anymore. We long for that day. We thank you that because of your Son's work for us, both on the cross, paying the penalty for our sin, And rising from the grave because of that truth, that real event that happened in history and time and space, that we can participate today. We can remember your body broken for us. We can remember your blood shed for us. We can be strengthened by the grace that this gives us. Would you help us today? In Jesus' name, Amen.
2: Alas, and did my Savior bleed? And My sovereign, would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? Was it for sins that I had done? He groaned. i For man the creature's sin, The might I hide, my blushing face, While his dear cross appears, Dissolve.
1: Would you die for us to make us your precious children? It's an amazing truth. It says the when he had given thanks, he broke the bread and said, "This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me." the same way took the cup and saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me Father we are so thankful for your sacrifice for us and the fact that you rose from the grave on behalf of On our behalf, you killed the sting of death. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me read this benediction to you. Now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasant in his sight through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. You are dismissed.